Hey everybody, welcome back to this week's edition of American Billiard Radio. My name is Mr. Bond, I'll be your host once again this week. Today is February the 19th, 2015. And what's going on in the pool world this week? Well, you know, the uh, U.S. Open Bar Table Championships are going on in out in uh, Reno. And we'll get back to that in just a second. And of course, the uh, World Tinball Championships are going on in uh, the Philippines right about now. So there's been, you know, sort of a division of the ranks, as they say. You got some of the more international players headed overseas out to the Philippines. And then you have some of the more domesticated players staying here in the States playing at the, at the bar table championships. So um, as it stands right now, the, uh, the bar table championships include 8-ball, 9-ball, and 10-ball. The 10-ball is concluded, the 9-ball is underway, and the 8-ball will begin tomorrow. Um, as it is so far, the winner of the 10-ball... Uh, was uh, in the men's, Jeff Ignacio, and in the women's, it was Taylor Hansen. So we spoke to Taylor for just a moment about her uh, clinching of the title, and this is what she had to say about that. Hey guys, it's Marianne, and I am coming to you from the U.S. Bar Table Championships in Reno, Nevada. I am sitting down with Taylor Hansen. She just won the women's 10 ball. So Taylor, why don't you tell me how long have you been playing? Um, I've been playing for about six years. I started when I was 10. How did you get started? Just uh, we started on like a little three-foot table, uh-huh. my brother and I, and my dad actually played pool. So once he got a table, we just kind of started hitting him around and then he started teaching us. Gotcha. So yes, your brother your brother plays too. I was watching him play. He's a pretty straight shooter. You guys yeah. are you guys are pretty talented. So your dad plays. So do you do you have any other coaches or you just work with your dad? Um, my dad doesn't really play anymore. He just started watching us instead and bringing us to places. <laughs> uh, we do have a coach. We haven't played with him a lot lately. He's had He's been really busy, but mm-hmm. we've been practicing with him for about two or three years now. Great. So, so what are your future plans as far as pool goes? Um, for pool, I just want to try and get like as good as I can, and then hopefully compete in, with like pros and see how well I can do. I don't really want to go on the pro tour just because there's not much of a career. Yeah. So, yeah. but I'll try and go as far as I can with it. So, what are your future plans as far as anything else? Are you going to go to college or? Yeah, I want to go to college and hopefully be a pediatrician. Great, awesome. Well, good, good for you. Well, um, I wish you the best of luck in the rest of the, the events and everything. You got nine ball and eight balls coming up still, so uh, good luck and. Uh, I hope I don't run into you. That's all I can say. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. uh, Thanks for joining us on American Billiard Radio. Thanks, Taylor. I appreciate you taking the time uh, to give us a little bit of commentary there. I appreciate it. And uh, a little bit later on in the show, uh, we had uh, Allison Fisher talking with Jeff Conway about uh, Ignatio's performance in the 10-ball competition. And of course, uh, Mr. Ignacio's English is not all that great, so we, you know, tried to save him the struggle of trying to talk to talk with us about it. So we talked to Jeff instead, just so that you know that was the reason behind that. But uh, we also got an update uh, from Marianne 
about the status of the uh, competition so far, and we'll get to that in just a moment. But first, we're going to treat you with your one-minute pool instructor. Hi, I'm Scott Lee. And Randy G. And this is the One Minute Pool Instructor. So what do we got today, Scott? Well, this week, let's talk about cue sticks, Randy, because oh there's so many out Come there. Come on. What is a cue stick? Piece of wood. Yes, it is, with a little leather tip on it. That's about all that matters is that leather tip, isn't it? Yeah, well, the only thing that hits the cue ball is the tip, <laughs> so. And there's a lot of those, too. Yeah. So what do you got? Well, you know, a lot of people ask me, how do I buy a cue stick? And the first thing I tell them is that, you know, there's, to nowadays, there's so many different uh, opportunities to purchase cue sticks at any price level. Uh, you can get a reasonable playing cue for $100. Oh, yeah, $100, $125. That's a jointed cue you're Yeah, a jointed cue. You can have a custom cue made for somewhere between three and $500. You can go all the way up to several thousand dollars if you want to. But the thing is that it's really all subjective. How a cue plays is based on how a person feels about it themselves. We can take one cue stick with the same tip and the same joint, give it to three different people, and one will be the best hit and cue ever, another will be they can't stand the hit of it, and the third guy is in on the fence. So you're talking about more feel, huh? Right. Like driving a car, maybe. Sure. They all get you there, but which one do you like better and how much do you want to spend? So what do you look for in a queue, then? What's your number one thing? My number one thing is feedback. Uh, when you strike the cue ball with the, with the tip, there is a tactile sensation, a vibration. Uh, some, some people call it a, uh, a sound. Uh, certain woods have a tonal quality. But there's a certain sound that the cue makes. And that varies from cue to cue, and it varies from person to person in terms of how they perceive that sound. Some people uh, like to hear a certain sound every time they hit the ball. For other people, it don't really it doesn't matter so much to them. It's just how the cue responds and how the cue ball responds. So that's not based on how much money you spend. It's just based on an individual uh, feel or. Uh, tactile sensation or auditory of how the cue performs for you. You know, nowadays they can even try cues out at the retail stores. Huh? I yeah. mean, you don't have to go in anymore and buy a cue, take it home, and, and be stuck with it. Most of these retail stores are really good people, and, and they will allow you to hit a few balls with a couple of different cues. And not only that, but the used cue market is gigantic. Uh, there's, Why is there's that? so much opportunity. Uh, don't people keep their cues? Well, some do, some don't. I mean, some some people are in the business of buying and selling cues. Um, I think that there's certainly nothing wrong with buying a used cue, and certainly getting the opportunity to hit with a cue, you know, whether it's new or used, I think is valuable in terms of um, whether or not that cue suits you, how the cue is balanced, how it feels in your hand. Um, I, we can take the same cue and put three different tips on it and it will feel, sound, and play differently with the same person. So again, it's a very subjective type of a thing. 
So uh, your answer then is uh, they should they should find out what they want or or feel, and, and that's what they should buy. Well, definitely you should try out several different brands of cues among your friends. Yeah, there you uh, go. Go to a store. Um, talk to people online. There's lots of opportunities to to try out different things before you have to invest. Well, and you don't have to invest a lot of money. No, one thing. There are a lot of good cue makers out there. There are. And, and, uh, uh, between factory and custom, I mean, why spend a lot of money if you find if you find a $100 cue you can play with? Uh, I mean, we know that a $25 cue for some people is very good. Well, they do a good Efren job. Efren Ray's won world championships with a $10 cue. Yeah, I would imagine. But he could win it with a $10,000 cue, too. He could, that's for so sure. So he knows what he likes, I guess. So get out there and test out as many different cues as you can to find one that feels good in your hands, that you like the sound of the hit, that you like the feel of the, the tip striking the ball, and that you can make perform. You don't have to spend a lot of money. Save your money on a cue stick and invest in some quality instruction. Okay. <laughs> the One Minute Pool Instructor, I'm Scott Lee. And Randy G. And we'll talk next week about league play. I'm talking with Marianne Starkey, who's on the scene at uh, the U.S. Bar Table Championship. How's the uh, tournament going so far, Marianne? Uh, pretty. Can't really complain. Everything's, you know, same as usual. They've, they've got everything scheduled, and it goes like clockwork. So. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Anything different this year? Uh, yeah. Normally, they have... Uh, they have the WPPA, WPPA uh, present doing a one-pocket tournament on the side on, on big tables, and they're not here this year. So it kind of has a different feel in the room, you know, without mm -hmm. without the presence of that. Sure. Because, um, uh, I don't know, it was, it was nice to have the big tables off in the corner and, and have that action going on as well. But, sure. Um, sure. And, and definitely less players this year. Normally, you know, there's there's a huge international presence of players, you know, uh, players like Mika and Karen Forsen, Spencer Coyo, you know, those, those guys aren't here. I mean, the field's, I'm going to get me wrong, but you've got Shane and Justin Bergman and uh, Jeffrey Ignacio. And Corey. Just and... yeah, exactly. Corey's got Frost. Uh, Sky. He's here. Um, he took second in the ten ball, and Jeffrey Ignacio won the ten ball tournament. Um, yeah. So you know, I mean, there's there's definitely quite a field here, but uh, it's definitely definitely a little less stacked than it normally is. Yeah, yeah. So. I'm thinking that there's a couple of them on vacation in the Philippines right about now. Is what I'm thinking. Exactly. So. <laughs> yeah, hey, exactly. But you know, that gives these guys uh, maybe. I don't know. Maybe it gives them a break, uh, you know, a little bit better of a chance to compete with the locals as to pair, uh, you know, compared to yeah. who they might have been facing. <laughs> so Definitely. <laughs> I'm guessing, you know, yeah, it's, it's, Shane's probably not too upset about it, you know, ha having all the Filipinos gone, 
<laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure. You know, he's he's liking his chances this year. You know, yeah. I, I think uh, how Jeffrey Ignacio, he he definitely kind of like snuck up out of nowhere for mm-hmm. everyone. So yeah. Um, and then of course, you know, Sky, he's he's been hitting them pretty good, as we all know. So um, yeah, and then and then with the women. The the ladies pinball uh, Taylor Hansen won that and wow. that girl let me tell you has one heck of a future in pool she keeps doing what she's doing because she is very yeah, talented she is very talented she she won the women's pinball and then uh, Jessica uh, Jessica Freighters she won or she took second so. Um, and then, you know, we've got Liz Lovely and Liz is there. Yeah. Normally, yeah, normally, normally, you know, we're, we're kind of missing a few of the, the lady players too. I've seen Brittany's not here this year. Brittany Bryant. Oh, okay. Melissa Little usually shows up. I so, know that. you know, okay. we're, we're lacking a few of the normal players too, but, um, you know, it, there's definitely, I've noticed a few new faces, so it's always good. I, well, it'll be interesting to see. Um, so, what's her face? Taylor took ten ball, um, which is freaking awesome for you know a sixteen year old. Um, I want to say Liz took. Oh uh, God, I don't. I can't remember if it was nine ball or eight ball last year. Um, um I believe she. I'm, I think, I'm trying to remember. I think well, it was think- nine ball for some reason. I don't know. I'm thinking the same thing. I'm not sure exactly, though, so don't, yeah, don't quote me on that. But I know um, Jessica Freider, she won one of the events last year, and then Liz Lovely, and I'm trying to remember who else took one of the events. I don't remember. I know we we, we interviewed um, Liz and Corey Mm -hmm. last year uh, because they Mm -hmm. had both taken a title uh, in at least one category. Um, right. And it seems like, if I'm remembering correctly, I should just go look it up in the archive, you know, right? Hello? Um, <laughs> we, we did the interview. I I should, yeah, I should probably look it up. <laughs> I want to say that the reason why we interviewed both of them was because they had both taken the nine ball, is what I'm thinking. So, right. as far as that goes, the point being, I don't think Liz is out of the running. You know, even though Taylor got her on the ten ball, I don't think that because it came down to them two in the ten ball too. It was uh, um, Liz ended up like third or second or third. I want to say. Um, yeah, and you know uh, Taylor, man, she's had really strong showings in her matches. I mean, she beat yeah. uh, she beat Liz uh, five to one, mm. she beat Jessica five two. You know, I mean, she's she's definitely not a slouch. I'm I'm mm. really excited to see. You her future in pool because yeah. not only is she an excellent player already, but she has a really great attitude. I sat down and talked with her for a few minutes, you know, and, and she's, she's super positive and she's, she has a great personality and she really seems like she has a, a good head on her shoulders. Yeah. And, uh, her parents are really supportive of, of her pool, her brother as well, Tristan. And let me, this kid, 12 years old, and he had edgy, sweating so bad in their match it was hilarious it was hilarious this little kid you know and he's just 
sticking it to him. It was it was pretty good. That's awesome. Good stuff. So no, I'm I'm excited seeing these kids and Taylor. She's she's so funny. She, she, well, uh, you know, I wasn't really expecting to do anything in this tournament. You know, I definitely wasn't expecting to win. I'm like, well, I'm like, how do you like your chances now? She's like, I don't know. I can't believe this is happening. <laughs> you know, she's like, she's she's like, I I never expected this. So. Yeah, I'm I'm excited for her. She she seems like a a good kid and yeah and, uh, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and that's one. Of, that's going to be one of our um, our little proud moments, whenever she rises to the top, and we've got interviews mm-hmm. with her. You know, when she was sixteen. That that's cute. You know what I mean? That's definitely. That's one of those definitely. things that we can talk mm-hmm. about for years to come. Uh, you know how funny it would it be to have interviews with uh, little Johnny Archer when he was 16, you know? <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Huh? <laughs> that'd be funny, you know, or Allison Fisher or something, you know? That's good stuff. Yes. Well, which is funny because by the time she was that age, Jean Belukas was all over television. She had been on, right. like, television shows shooting, yeah, yeah, you know? Yeah. As a teenager, like, wow. Like, what a difference... You know the in the world mm-hmm. as far as the the pool world is concerned. I think it's cool though that when any kid that young excels at something, it doesn't matter if it's pool mm-hmm. or you know cup stacking. It, it, you know anything, right? Yeah, yeah. Anything that yeah. they can get their that they can uh, put their passion into, it's great. Mm-hmm. So I like mm-hmm. to see the youngsters coming up through the ranks. That's pretty cool. What are the um, What are the standings so far? And nine ball is going on as we speak. I understand that. What are the standings so far? Do you have uh, well, any um, information on that? Yeah. So far, I, uh, it's it's four o'clock as we speak. So um, you know the, the next round is starting. Uh, but so far, Liz Lovely just took the hot seat a little while ago. Mm. Um, and, uh, so lose, you know, other side matches that are, that are waiting to go. You got Trent Lou that's still in, Sean Modelo and Beth Fondell. Um, the woman that just knocked me out, Debbie <laughs> Welfringer, <laughs> Mary Coffin, they're going to play. And then the winner of that is going to play Kelly Isaac and, uh, and then for the men, uh, they had 149 players. Wow. Um, and on the winner side, at least, you still have, you know, Ernesto Dominguez and Oscar is still in, uh, Scott Frost, Danny Olson, Shane, um, Stan Tarango. I can't say his name for some reason. Uh, Tarango. Uh, yeah, those are, those are winner side. And then, of course, you still got Bergman and, guys on the other side and mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. yeah so that's that's you know pretty much it and the next round starts started at four and uh i think matches will play up until um seven or 10 p.m tonight i'm not sure exactly when mm-hmm. they're going to cut it off but um right yeah i think that yeah. they'll start any matches prior to 10 or, or earlier but i don't know if they'll start any after yeah. that but Whatever the case. Now, am I correct that eight ball starts tomorrow, or is that Friday or yes. Saturday? Sorry. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it's Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So okay. um, the finals of the nine ball will be tomorrow. Okay. But we we start eight ball in the morning or in the afternoon. 
Okay. Awesome. Um, yeah. And 8-Ball is definitely by far the, the biggest turnout because of being the weekend. You know, everybody everybody makes it down for yeah. for the 8-Ball. So right, right, right. It's definitely definitely bigger field uh, for that event. So exciting, exciting stuff. Well, I'm guessing that more people probably play 8-Ball too. You know what I mean? I think at, at least on bar tables anyway. You know. Exactly. Yeah, but you know, and that, and that's what you know. People ask me what my favorite game is, and and you know, I, I have to say eight ball in the bar box, and because it's totally it's a totally different game than you know than a rotation any of game. the other. Yeah, it's, exactly. It's, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So Absolutely. it's definitely the most popular by far. Yeah, I think yeah. that applies to the masses. Well, <laughs> who? Do, I mean, if you had to make a prediction, who do you feel good about on eight ball? This is and that's a a terrible question to ask somebody, you know. But because it, it, you know, there's so many eight ball players. It, it, it's with the women. It's it's almost impossible to know because we don't even hear anything about which game which woman is stronger at than another like we do from the men right. you know what i mean that's just right. like you guys don't get the pr yeah. so the public doesn't hear more as much about that as you know we might would like mm-hmm. to but uh as far as the men are concerned who knows you know uh, i want to say yeah it, you know this this tournament is so hard to tell because one and especially for the the men the open I mean, there's so many high caliber players that right. you know. I mean, yeah. you can go back and forth with breaking runs the whole entire match. It's it's so hard to tell. There are really no favorites. Right. Once it gets to a certain point, so uh, yeah, it's it's definitely interesting, and and I think that's what makes it so exciting to watch. I don't know about anybody else, but I love to watch players string racks together, you know, and have mm-hmm. perfect matches where they just break and run back and forth, where it comes down to the the coin toss kind of thing you know i i love watching that kind of pool but uh you never know what's going to happen either and, yeah. and then as far as the women go you know i've noticed that the the women it it comes down to safety battles and and i being a player that can't <laughs> i can't run table you know <laughs> i'm one of those i'm one of those safety players so yeah yeah <laughs> You never know what's going to happen with those matches either. So it's it's very unpredictable. That's why I, I think I love this tournament because of that. You never know what's going to happen. <laughs> no, that's true. That's true. Well, plus, you know, eight ball is in that funny sort of uh, in-between, you know, where there's not enough professional play, like you said, to predict a winner. It could really be anything. Yeah. It really yeah. could. It, that's just because we don't have, you know, U.S. Open eight ball. Until this year, yeah. hello. Um, I know, yeah. We have a whole nother, yeah, a whole nother issue coming up with this. Um, you know, I'm gonna put you on the spot too because uh, this is one of those things that has just popped up. We've got you know Barry's U.S. Open nine ball for yeah. the last 39 years running um, with its own set of conundrums and debacles and fiascos and yes. and enigmas and mysteries and everything else in the world. So CSI is coming back with the U.S. Open 8-ball and 10-ball. Am I wrong? Is that right? Did I say that right? Yeah, I believe that's, that's correct, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, 
that's going to be interesting because now there's a national championship for both eight ball, an American championship for both eight ball, nine ball, and 10 ball. That is going to be interesting. Am I am I incorrect in saying that it's going to be on the bar boxes? Seven foot tables. Seven foot tables. Yes. So you know, and I was talking to somebody about about this the other night, and uh, you know, it's it's I kind of have mixed feelings on it because of a couple things. Me too. Um, Right. The the fact that you know these are Moscone points tournaments yes it kind of doesn't really make any sense to me that they're being played on the bar table yes but uh but at the same time you know it's very exciting because i don't know if you've ever been to the bca events but you know they have the the regular event going on in the same room that the open is happening and so there's kind of always like a mesh of you know you've got the amateurs and the pros all in the same room and it's 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 kind of really interesting feeling to it and so yeah. i'm curious you know how it's going to be with uh you know to to have that um a different feel with yeah. it being a bar table yeah tournament. i don't know for some reason they they always seem to have like a different a different feel to them in yeah. my opinion but it's going to be it's going to be interesting to you know it is to, it is uh, most definitely. Well, and here's the thing, though, you know, and I'm gonna I'm gonna drag Mark Cantrell into this because he's the one that okay. that asked me the question, you know, and and God forbid, Ozzy and Mark are gonna have my butt in a, in a sling for even bringing this up. So I'm just gonna apologize in advance, Ozzy. I'm sorry, Ozzy, and I'm sorry, Mark, for for questioning your your authority. But here's the, it, but this is a legitimate question, though, you know. If you've got the uh, U.S. Bar Table Championships going on uh, on a seven-foot table, and you guys have mm-hmm. nine ball, eight ball, and ten ball, and mm-hmm. let's say they hold the U.S. Open eight ball and ten ball on a seven-foot table, what's the difference between the two events? Right. You know what I mean. Yeah. You got. Yeah. No, I totally understand. You have the bar. Saying, yeah. The Bar Table Championship, by definition, is on a bar table. Mm-hmm which is a six or a seven foot table. Mm-hmm. And then you have a world championship and either eight ball or, or 10 ball on the same table. Why mm-hmm. is that not the same as the bar table championship? So again, well, yeah, I, I know, yeah, I know yeah, it's about yeah. the space. Don't get me wrong. I'm, I wasn't born yesterday. It's, 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 I know it's <laughs> about space and money and time and all that stuff. However, that being said, there, it seems like to me anyway, that there should be some distinguishing difference between uh, a bar table championship and a world championship. The two are, I, yeah, you know, yeah. there needs to be something. I I do agree with you there. You know, and and I was thinking about it too. I mean, the the U the U.S. Open on nine footers, it, it's the kind of thing that separates the men from the boys. Right, know? right, and, right, right. And when you bring it down to the level not to not to you know talk bad about bar table players or anything like that but it's it's almost like it's uh it's a different game i I apologize i apologize ozzy and and i know i know because they're gonna have me like it seems like it's cheapening it in a way right right 
I don't know. I don't know what other way to word it, but it just feels like it's like, uh, you know, it's not. It doesn't. I don't know if it's going to have the prestigious feel to it anymore. But, right, right. but I don't well, know. Well, that's what we'll I'm see. afraid of. We'll see. We'll right. See. Right. I'm not afraid of the seven foot table. I'm afraid of the impression that it's going to give people. So it's not, right. it's not about me. You know what I mean? It's not about me and how I feel. I just feel like, uh, you know, other people are going to look at that and go, eh, it's a, you know, seven footers we're talking about. Mm-hmm. I, you know, and I made the suggestion, uh, we were discussing it on, uh, AZ billiards and the, and the forum. And I had humbly made the suggestion that maybe the qualifiers or may, maybe the preliminary rounds should be on the seven footers, and then have the finals on like nine foot or ten foot tables or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So that yeah. at least there is some distinguishing factor. And but you know, again, it is what it is. So I'm not gonna, I'm not trying to diss anybody for bringing events back. You know, that's a that would be a bad idea. So I'm glad oh, that it's happening. Yeah, I, I I see what your point. You know, and it wouldn't be. I don't know. I, I I don't know if it would be too much to ask for them to you know drag a couple of nine footers along with them just for you know right right finals or, or right. even just one you know right exactly yeah, yeah. that's all I'm saying. I don't know. See, I'm, I'm curious. I, I I'm curious. I might have to go and like pull some of the players that normally you know frequent that yeah. event just to see what their thoughts are. And, well, what just ask him. It. Yeah, exactly. Just ask him. Do you think that there's any difference between the, these two events? Uh, it, number yeah. one, that's one question. And then the other question is, what do you think about a world or a or a national championship on a seven foot table? You know. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, here, you know, let's take it up a notch. How how would you feel about winning winning that title? You know, like I'm the U.S. Right. You know. Yeah. U.S. Yeah. Open eight ball champion. On a on a seven foot table, you know, like uh-huh. mm, I don't know. I guess I'm yeah. not gonna dwell on it. I don't want to. Like I said, I don't want to rake the mud, man. It, it, it's just. Yeah. I guess we should be happy that they're adding events to the calendar. And yeah, yeah, yeah. More opportunities for players. More opportunities for whoever. That's a good thing. More pool in the United yeah. States. More points events. That's always a good thing. Which yeah. is, um, really, to be honest with you, I think that's what we're going to try to cover on our next show or two. We're going to try to get both match rooms and see if we can uh, um, get to the bottom of this points ranking system. Because if they wait too long to announce some of the events and some of the points that are going to be involved, it's not going to look good for them. And, yeah. I, don't, and I don't mean that to be uh, an instigator what i'm saying is if you wait too long to announce points and things like that then people are going to start suspecting you of like trying to stack the deck you know yeah you know yeah. what i mean no, I see what you're saying. because yeah. you could yeah. min- you say oh well this one's worth this amount of points and that one's worth not and then somebody's already got points mm-hmm. for something but then somebody can get points and match up to that i don't know you know it's yeah it's just yeah. a sticky situation and uh, now don't get me wrong I think that most people know me well enough to know that I'm not about to start giving Matchroom a bunch of shit about their procedure. I just, it's just like this situation with the seven foot, you know, U S open. It makes me uncomfortable for them more so than myself. So I would, I would like to see, uh, you know, CSI make uh, a different choice. I'd like to see Matchroom make some different choices too, but that's just me. So, 
Yeah, we'll, totally. I, 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 I hear what you're saying. We'll deal with Definitely. it, you know, as it comes, and and that will be pizza yep. keen. So. Well, you know, beggars can't be choosers. We gotta take what we get, right? <laughs> right. This is true. Right? Like I said, yeah. we should be happy that they're holding events at all. That's a, it's a good thing. So. Exactly. I'll try not yeah. to be that guy and just be the pissant about everything. No matter sure. Right. <laughs> all right, Marianne. Well, thanks. Uh, thanks for giving us the update. Do appreciate it. Um, no yeah. problem. Are you participating in the? Uh, are you competing in the night in the eight ball too? Uh, yes, I will be. So okay, hopefully cool. I can uh, hopefully I can have a better showing than I have so far in, in <laughs> ten ball and nine ball. Yeah. Yeah. All uh, right. We'll see. All okay. right. Well, uh, yeah. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me on. <laughs> All right. Well, good luck with the eight ball uh, competition, and uh, we'll talk to you again next week. All right. Sounds good. All right. Take care, everybody. We'll talk to you later. Hello, this is Ricky Bryant with American Billiard Radio and Q-Talk, brought to you by Omega Billiard Products, www.omegabilliard.com, the home of the original pocket bridge. My guest today is Mike Capone with Capone Cues. Hello, Mike. Hey, Ricky. How's it going? Good, sir. Tell us, where, where's uh, Capone Cues located at? Uh, currently, I'm actually, this is a little comical, I live in a small town outside of Washington, D.C., called Poolsville, Maryland. Oh, that's pretty good. Now, now, is that where you started at, or that's where you're currently located? No, no I'm currently from, I mean, originally from central New Jersey. I moved down to Maryland, uh, relocated there in about 2005. And what got you started in, in cue making? I know a lot of cue makers started out as players and decided they wanted to make their own cue. Why did you get started? Um, I mean, I was hanging out in the, in the pool room a little bit, um, some members of my family opened the pool room in the early 90s, and I worked in there a little during the summertime when I was, you know, in between college or whatever, and um, just started playing some pool then. Uh, saw a lot of cues getting repaired, uh, took an interest in how it was done, and just kind of, you know, sped off from there. So, so you started out in cue repair, then started building cues, and I know you're currently the president of the American Cue Makers Association which uh, you took over as president from uh, David Jacoby. Correct. About, uh, this is probably going to be uh, into my second, going into the third year at the helm of that ship. <laughs> yeah, that's a nice organization. I, I work with you guys out at, at Super Billiards every year. It's, that's one of your biggest events. Do they do any other events? Um, we don't do any other really standalone events, uh, events at this point in time. The Super Billiard Expo has always been the um, uh, the biggest arena that's had the most members displaying at one time. We've done several other shows as a group in the past, uh, uh, a lot of BCA trade shows. Um, originally, the BCA trade show was basically vendors scattered all over. One guy would be, you know, one spot, another guy would be off in another corner or something, and for years... Uh, at the BCA trade show, we had gotten all the booths together and basically had it set up almost like it is at the Super Blue Expo with a bunch of key makers in uh, one spot. We've done uh, other events. We've been uh, 
done multiple booths at the Windy City in Chicago, the LA Expo. Um, there's generally always been a, a pretty good presence of key makers at the U.S. Open and now here at the Derby City. Um, actually, I think every cue, every individual key maker that's here at the Derby City is a member of the ACA, which would be myself, uh, Davini, Pat Davini, and uh, uh, Jacoby Cues. I think we're the only three uh, single cue companies here, and uh, all three of us are members of the ACA. I know it's a fantastic organization. I know I've, I've I've heard stories that somebody has a problem with equipment or whatever. You guys help each other out. It's not it's not a dog eat dog world out here in the organization. It's really a, a great brotherhood that I've seen among you guys and great competition. Who can build the prettiest cues when we're out at at Super Billiards? Now, how many other shows do you do? I know you're here at Derby City, and then you also do uh, Super Billiards and any of the uh, amateur tournaments or major tournaments? Um, right now, I currently, basically for the last 10 years, I've been making about three stops. I come to Derby City, go to Super Billiards Expo, and the U.S. Open in the fall, and that's about maxing me out kind of at this point in time. Well, if a person ordered a cue from you, uh, about what kind of wait time would, I know it depends on how exotic they want the cue and their design, but, but typically about what type of wait time do you have as a cue maker? Um, it, a lot of variables come into that, basically the cue, timing of the year, stuff like that, but basically it could be anywhere from, you know, eight weeks to a year, depending on what it is. And I've seen some of your work, and it's beautiful work out there. Now, you make uh, the shafts that go with it. Do you offer any other shafts other than your own that to go with cues? Um, in the past, we we still do, and we have always offered the majority of the aftermarket shafts um, that are that are out there. We may not have everyone in stock, um, but a lot of times, what I've been doing now is somebody wants any kind of other shaft, they're more than welcome welcome to go ahead and send that to me. I will modify it to fit the cue they're ordering and then they're all they're good to go. And also at this point in time uh, we're kind of coming out with a new shaft in the last year. Some of them have been out. There's probably less than 20 of them that are out right now. But uh, I've got my own uh, uh, low deflection shaft basically. It has no ferrule on it. It has a little wooden pad on the end. A little different construction than some of the other stuff that's out there. And um, so far everybody seems to like it. Well, that sounds fantastic. So that's one of the specialty items that you have. Do you have anything specialty from jump cues to specialty with, with, with what you do with uh, designs with butts or extensions or anything of that line? We've got um, the same same type of deal. The last year I've been um, getting some more uh, three-piece jump cues out there, uh, real lightweight and material, uh, little uh, three-piece, a shorter butt section is actually in two pieces. It's a little bit longer than some of the ones that are currently popular out there. We've got, uh, it's basically a 20-inch long uh, butt section breaking down into a 12-inch piece and an 8-inch piece. So the 12-inch section uh, along with the shaft is more along the lines of what your standard jump cue would be, uh, similar to the length of what the brake jump cues were when you broke them down in the past. But the 8-inch extension on the back of it uh, kind of puts you in the middle of needing a full cue and, and a jump cue. It makes those little longer shots where you don't have to get the ball 
up as high. It makes those a little easier because the queue is longer and also gives you a little more accuracy because the queue is longer. Fantastic. Have we missed any products or anything you can think of, Mike? Um, there are, everybody's asking for extensions, and there are, uh, extensions are in the works. We're just not really sure whether um, it's going to be an issue where you have to take the bumper off and screw it in there, or we're going to come out with uh, a bumper that locks into the queue that has a hole in it where the extension can just go right on the end of the queue without having to mess with anything. Yeah, I'm seeing seeing a lot of that and a lot of changes coming about with a uh, number of add-on companies doing that as well as a, a number of the key manufacturers starting to respond to that, especially as we're seeing uh, more pro events, especially on 10-foot tables. And I know a lot of people prefer to use an extension instead of having to go to a bridge. And also, it's a, it's a good idea sometimes when you're reaching to have to use a bridge and an extension gives you that reach. Exactly. Whatever, you know, a lot of people... Uh, you know, using the bridge is an art form in itself, and uh, a lot of people, if they can avoid that uh, once or twice during the course of the evening, that uh, helps out tremendously. Well, Mike, I appreciate having you here with us today on Q Talk on American Beard Radio. I'm glad to do it. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of Pool on the Grind here on AmericanBilliardRadio.com. I'm your host, Allison Fisher of NYC Grind, and I am uh, very happy to introduce this week's guest, Jeff Conway, to the show. How are you doing, Jeff? I'm very good, Allison. Nice to talk to you again. I don't get to see you so much nowadays. Yeah, I know. It's been quite a while, and, uh, you know, some of the more major events that you've been routinely going to, I, I haven't been able to make it to all of them. And for you know, for the listeners out there who may not be familiar with Jeff, Jeff has been uh, sort of a long-time figure in the pool scene as a manager of players, as a commentator, and also as a writer. So um, he's, uh, he's really been highly involved uh, behind the scenes and and both um, with the players. So what uh, what we've come to talk about today is really one of the most exciting young players that's recently come onto the scene this year, at least onto the scene in the U.S., and that would be Jeffrey Ignacio of the Philippines. He's about 22 years old and has just made big news as the winner of the U.S. Bar Table Tenball Championships. Talk a little bit about that tournament, Jeff, and what the experience uh, course, was like for him. Well, hi, listeners. And, of course, that was preceded by winning the uh, nine-ball event, uh, sorry, the ten-ball event up in um, Sacramento over the weekend. So he won two big tournaments within four days, which is you know, pretty good. Um, he's one of the most exciting players I've ever had uh, in my stable, uh, he's only 22 years old, as you said. Um, started playing when he was 10 in his father's pool room. Um, very grounded young man, very quiet, respectful young man. Um, loves practicing and has uh, honed his skills so much that so much so, so that in uh, 2011 he played at the age of 18. He played his first ever tournament. Never played in the tournament. He gambled small, small beer 
in uh, his father's pool room and given the money to his father, I understand, and, mm-hmm. and never played in a tournament. And his first tournament ever was the 2011, the first Manny Pacquiao event that Manny backed. And uh, he ended up on, on the hill in the final with Dennis Acudio and got beat on the hill in his first ever tournament, which is pretty, pretty uh, remarkable. And then the next year, he went to uh, the China Open and came second in the uh, China Open, which is a world title, and came second. So pretty impressive. And uh, he came over here on uh, January January 5th. Um, two days later, we were up at Turning Stone. Uh, didn't perform that great there, but was going through a little learning curve, getting acclimatized to the you know the weather. Never seen snow before. Um, that, that certainly, the jet lag would be a factor. Yeah, jet lag, and uh, he saw three foot of snow at my house and ran in it and jumped up and down in it like a little two-year-old. <laughs> never seen, never seen snow before. That's and, funny. Uh, so yeah, it was funny. We took a photograph of that, and. Um, he say he won the event of the weekend. He's playing good here. Um, it's been like a little learning curve, you know. He's first, he's, he's never ever played bar box. Wow. Uh, he, he never played on a bar box table till he actually came to Reno on uh, Monday. So, considering he won the first discipline that they had, which was the ten ball, it's a uh, you know, testament to his skills. Uh, he started off not so good on the nine ball uh, because he didn't have the breakdown, soft breakdown, and uh, soon got soon got some friends to show, put him in, showing the ropes on that. And now he's breaking off a trooper, but of course, unfortunately, he's on the loser's side. But uh, with his skills, he probably could win it from the loser's side. And, uh, so who did so he lose to? In uh, do you know what I can't remember. Um, I think it was, I think it may have been Skyler. It was one of the bigger players. I remember his first one of his first matches was a big mm. match, and uh, he, you know he, he he wasn't making balls on the break. And in nine in bar box and in alternate break, you know you you basically got to win the leg. That's sure. the key. You win the leg, and you win all your matches. You'll win, guaranteed. And uh, usually there's a few upsets, goes back and forwards, but basically you. You can't afford to, you know, miss out on the break and just give the guy a ball in hand. So it's almost like giving him a ball in hand. Yeah, nice I just kid. knew from the break between the nine-foot and seven-foot table is really drastic. You have to really yeah, back, yeah. Off the, back off the yeah, power. He's, well, he's hitting it socially. He's, he's you know, soft breaking, but ultra soft, and making two or three balls every time now. And, you know, it's, you know there's people here that, we don't know in the sort of tour field of pool for tour pros that are really, really good at bar box. But nonetheless, the pros are also very good at bar box because it, you know, it levels the field and levels the field a bit. But uh, it's, you know, the skills that the pro has, he can put those to use on the small table as well as a big table. So mm-hmm. I, I, I don't think the amateur, has, you know, a lot of people say the amateur. Some of these, there's some people that are really good at bar box, don't play any other, and you know, they're really good at it. But so are the pros good at it. I mean, that's what they do for a living. So. Mm-hmm. We'll see how it goes. He's having a great tournament, and uh, he's, a, he's a nice kid, nice demeanor at the table. Anyone is, everyone who's met him, you know, people I know that have met him at pool rooms, people we've been giving lessons to, 
exhibitions. Everybody loves the kid. He's a likable kid. And he's just very respectful, very respectful to me. Um, and you know, the only one else around me. And uh, it's, it's it's a thrill to have someone as good as this in your stable. And you know they don't come around that often. And this this kid is being you know, touted as the next Ephraim. And in fact, it was Ephraim who told me about three years ago, you must get this kid. They play in the same room in the Philippines, mm. in Manila. And he told me, you must get this kid over. This kid is really, really good. And, uh, you know, he, he, so it, it took a little while to get it to happen, but uh, here he is. And, uh, you know, he's, everybody's, like you've, you've phoned me for this interview about him. It's a uh, testament to, you know, everybody's, their eyes are on Jeffrey Ignacio at the moment. And he's, a, and w- rightly so, because he really is a great, great player. And all the pros, funnily enough, Sort of, they're saying it jokingly, but they really mean it. I mean, Corey Jewell walked by me yesterday and said, "Jeff, you know, why do you keep bringing these guys in that can beat us guys? We don't need them here." You know, <laughs> and Scott Frost said the same, and they're all saying the same. You know, like you know, yeah. and and also um, Oscar, who he beat in the final at uh, Sacramento in that event. You know, said, "Jeff, we don't need these players. You know? <laughs> <laughs> we have enough trouble as it is." So, uh, yeah. So anyway, that's the deal. Yeah, as as his sort of manager and backer, how did that relationship come to fruition between the two of you? What was that process like? Well, it worked. It worked out real. It worked out real good. I mean, my my girlfriend is Filipino, so you know, if I need someone to talk to him, you know, in depth, he speaks okay English, but. He's a little shy, so I think his English is actually better than what he lets on. But uh, mm. um, I spoke to him when he was in the Philippines uh, about you know what was happening. We I also put him in the Japan Open with Jeffrey De Luna, um, and they did good in that. And uh, you know when he came over, I really literally had not you know never we'd never seen each other, and uh, we we gelled and everything's fine. You know it was a good mix, and. Uh, He's over here to, you know, make his name and earn some money. He has a girlfriend in the Philippines and a young uh, young kid, young boy, two years old. And uh, he wants to get back to the Philippines. He wants to buy a house. And he's, all he does is practice. And uh, I think CSI is probably going to be after me for extra time to get me to pay him some money for the amount of time he's practicing. Because <laughs> when he finishes a match, when he finishes a match, the first thing he does his practice and he was playing the 10 ball final the other night so he was playing 9 ball in the afternoon and then spent about 2 hours getting back to 10 ball because he knew he was playing Skyler, Skyler Woodward in the final on the TV table so he's uh, he, you know he's got everything in hand and uh, well, you know so we had a few little bit of learning curves with learning the, you know to break properly and how to break and you know, soft break and Learning some of the rules and things, and there's things he's done that just amaze me. I showed him how to play straight ball because we had a straight ball challenge down at the Derby City, and uh, which he also done good at. He done good in the uh, big, big foot, ten foot, uh, ten ball tournament, beating um, Mike Shane, um, you know, pretty impressively. I believe that was eleven um, six. And he beat Aculio 11-8. And there wasn't anyone there that thought 
didn't think that Julio was going to win that match. So that really put him on the board, and everybody was asking for his autograph and stuff after he beat Julio. And uh, they all know how good he is. I mean, they all know how good this kid is. They've been telling me, I look after, I look after Francisco Pustamonte. He's been telling me for ages, you know, he also plays in the same room as Efron. And, uh, you know, this, this kid is the real deal. And that's really what he is, the real deal. You know, I think there's a real benefit for players his age and for players like Skyler, too. You know, obviously, uh, they're they're only a year apart that they can just really, really dig in and they don't have, you know, too much to focus on. Of course, as you mentioned with uh, Jeffrey already having, you know, a child, um, it does put him in a bit of a different dynamic but when you're young like that, it's like um, you have really nothing to lose, and you can come over and you know tour these events and really hone in on on um, your skills. So it's awesome to hear about you know someone who has uh, that kind of drive, that kind of motivation to just um, be you know really be in it and to be a good sportsman as well. Yeah, yeah. And there's a, there's a few more young Filipinos over there. There's uh, Geronimo, uh, A.G. Geronimo, mm-hmm. and uh, the other, uh, Jovan uh, Bustamonte, which not not related. And mm-hmm. there's, they, they know him from the Philippines, and he's teamed up with them here. And socially, that's good for him because it puts him in a good, you know, happy spot. He's with, comfort he's zone, with friends yeah. and comfort zone and, and we've been working on that, and uh, that's, you know, I don't mind if I drop away from the scene a little bit, because right now he's down there practicing and playing now, and I'm not down there. I'm in my hotel room. Uh, welcome to Reno, everybody. We're in Reno. Mm-hmm. So how long does uh, Jeffrey plan to stay in the U.S., stay touring? Well, he goes, he goes back on the middle of April. Uh, I'm probably going to extend it just buy a little bit, I'll pay the extra on the ticket and put him in the expo because the expo um, it's, it's, almost, it's almost a shame to send him back and not put him in another event because he obviously stands a very good chance of winning it. Ten ball, ten ball is his best game, and uh, Alan Hopkins, I think it's ten ball, right? I, I didn't do it. Mm-hmm. Last year, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. ten ball there. Yeah, and uh, I'm sure Alan would like to have him there, so I've Better make a call soon and make a decision on that so I can get him in. I have a little bit of clout, but sometimes as they fall, it's they fall, you know. And that, that event, especially with there being uh, so many you know, amateur fans, so many different representatives from the pool industry, that it can really uh, mm. give him more visibility to which I'm sure would be beneficial for his career. Yeah. Well, maybe I can enter in some of the amateur events if Alan doesn't know who he is. I did that with Flacco Rodriguez. And Flacco won the, uh, the, the uh, open seniors. The seniors. The seniors, mm-hmm. the amateur seniors, the uh, the super seniors. <laughs> and I was told last time Alan spoke to me, he said, Jeff, I did not ever want to see what <laughs> Flacco here again unless he plays in the open. I'll let him play in the open. <laughs> yeah. 
so what's next on the in the calendar for you guys? Where are you headed to after well, the barbell? Uh, well, 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 we'll go back and do whatever's local events are on. Um, I might take him up to. Uh, I probably won't accompany him. I've got to work out how I can get him there with somebody there with him. You know, give him a little comfort zone. He's the one up in Oregon. There's a ten thousand added in Oregon bar box. There's a lot of bar box around at the moment, and uh, there's also uh, another one, two thousand dollar entry with the. Uh, I think that's the uh, white diamond of something. I think it's white diamond. Oh, maybe smoking aces. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, what, what what state is that in? That one. Uh. I believe it's in Missouri. Yes, it's in Missouri. Yeah, down at mm-hmm. Missouri. And uh, that's the one with like the $95,000 Calcutta. You know? mm-hmm. And uh, I'll, I might send him down there with uh, Warren, Warren Kiemke because that's a good match, them two together, because uh, being Filipino and Kiemke knowing the ropes. Sure, so he would, he would Kiemke good, sort of a father uh, figure. Yeah, he could take him down there and stuff. I know Warren really well, really, really well. So, so uh, that's one of the plans to do. So we've got a few events, plus you know, lessons and some exhibitions. We'll be doing something on the Akistats in a couple of weeks. Not sure who he's going to be playing. Probably uh, Darren Appleton, or if he's back. He, well, no, he, he comes He comes back on the 28th of February from the Philippines, so. So I'll probably set up a match, challenge match with uh, Appleton at Akistats and that'll be going out on live stream. And obviously when that happens, we'll give everybody as much notice as we can. Great. We'll definitely keep us filled in on what's happening there. And then any other, you know, all the world titles, uh, ones that he gets invites to, uh, doesn't have to, as long as he doesn't have to qualify for them. And with his ranking, he's actually ranked 17th in the world at the moment, so which is pretty impressive. Wow. And I just realised I was just doing some math in my head. Um, he's the same age as I've been doing covering Paul, 1992. Really? Know. So yeah, I was just thinking. Of, I was thinking about when were you born, and I said, "Oh my God, that's a, that's about the year I started uh, playing around with some younger young players." Before I realised that even some of the better players need need sponsorship. Mm-hmm. My first segue into it was actually with Ralph Soupay back in uh, '08. I was sitting having dinner with him in Turning Stone, upstate New York, Verona. For those that don't know, uh, Mike Zuckland's Northeast Tour tournament, and uh, I was sitting with him, and I said, "I know the answer is going to be no to this, but do you ever do you ever get where you need?" Backing or anything, and he goes, "Oh, absolutely." He said, "Right, this moment, I have no backing whatsoever." So I said, "Okay." I said, "I'll put you in the U.S. Open," and that was the year that, unfortunately for me, Mika came back from the loser side and won the U.S. Open, and we came second and mm-hmm. won twenty thousand dollars. That was pretty. That was my first foray into the bigger players. And prior to that, I'd always looked after. They were good players, but not world-known players. You know, not mm-hmm. known so much. And, uh, yeah, now uh, that I think of it, Jeff, that's that's when you and I met was at the 2008 U.S. Open. Yeah, or sometime yeah. right around there. Yeah, and then um, it, we interviewed Alison Fisher, and probably that was 09, mm-hmm. 10, in uh, the Expo room. 
Yeah, yeah, you did the interview with Allison, I think, oh, nine. Well, I think that's still years. floating around, isn't it? Still I believe so. Around. Yeah, it's still out on the Internet. Everything mm. everything stays on the Internet. It's out there forever. <laughs> yeah. Worldwide web, eh? Wow. Mm-hmm. Well, it's been really great having you on the show and, you know, everything that you do to support the players and help nurture their careers is, is really wonderful. So I hope you keep up the good work and... Uh, it's uh, always entertaining to hear you on the commentary. Yeah, I enjoy. It. I enjoy that. It's uh, it's it's all a hobby, really. It's it's all a. But just you know, you don't go into this business to make money. That's for sure. There's so many times when you, you come to pay out players and work out what they earn, and it's it's so little that I can't give them what they're supposed to have, and I give them a bit more. You know, it's like. It's like, what am I doing this for? But it's, I, I, I guess I like it. I, I, it would be difficult for me to step away from it. I've been doing it so long, and I made so many friends in the in the business, you know. Yeah, I it's think that's small. one of the the greatest things with all the people, all the friends that you meet. It's yeah. invaluable. And it's like a small, it's a small clique. But you know, when you go to different tournaments, they usually you meet the same people and stuff. So it's, uh, I, I enjoy it. And it's, uh, let me uh, wish you luck with NYC Grind as well. Been jigging along for a few years now, so... Uh, yeah, it's year, been uh, about year, seven every, years. Every year people get to know you a little bit more. Like, you do you do so much for Paul as well. Jerry's everywhere. Well, thank you, Jeff. We, uh, we try to extend our reaches as, uh, as much as possible, and... We always um you know look for what's next coming up, so for you know everything that um, just, every, everyone just, does is uh is important right. I just would like to mention that uh we're talking about Jeffrey Ignacio, but just as a matter of interest, I also have um Jeremy Sosi in this event, and he's still on the winner's side, and he's actually playing as we speak, he's playing Shane Van Bonen. So that will be interesting to see who comes out of that one with Victor. And it's on the winner's side. So. Yeah, that's definitely an interesting match. I know they've uh, they've gone back and forth in their their records previously. Yeah. Okay, sweetie. Well, lovely, lovely talking to you. If you need any updates, uh, if you want to call me again sometime and just find out what I'm up to and what we're doing, it's my pleasure. Well, we will definitely be in touch, Jeff. It's been great having you on the show. And... Uh, next time there's big news, maybe I'll have you back on this program again. Okay, thanks a lot, sweetheart. And right. cheerio, cheerio, listeners. Talk to you later, bye. All right, well, thank you very much, Jeff Conway, for joining us on uh, Pool on the Grind here on AmericanVillageRadio.com. It's been a pleasure to uh, speak with everyone this week, and be sure to tune in next week. We'll be back with more here on AmericanVillageRadio.com. Fourteen hours of too much green Racking the balls till it brings out the sheen Such a long time to waste playing Fool. The leather creaked as the nine ball drops.
Ending all hope for a comeback pop. 14 hours of chocolate and play.